This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed.com. Thanks for checking in, as always, to the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, joined by H.R. Blakely and Gary Washburn for another week of unpacking the drama that is the NBA. How are you two doing? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. How are you doing, Gary? Gary, how are you, how you doing? Got all them Olympic rings behind him. Feel like a champion today, huh, Gary? That's right. I'm a champion today. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm great. That's good to hear. So we're going to talk about the offseason. Obviously, this whole summer, there I'm sure there'll be something to talk about at every point during this offseason period. But the Celtics are off to a hot start. They already were able to trade for Malcolm Brogdon, which there were a few players that they had to give up that bench that Gary has been talking about over the last few weeks. They were given up for the most part in exchange for an additional piece in Brogdon. What were your two reactions to that trade? Um, I think it was a good deal for the Celtics. I think Brogdon's a good player. Um, he's got some durability issues now. You know, what's going to happen with him and Smart, I think we'll figure that out. But I also think it was good for them to, to get, rid of some, get rid of some of the guys that dead weight on the bench, unfortunately. The Daniel Tice... You know, that didn't work out as well as I think we all, you know, thought his second home, his comeback. And, you know, it got to the point with a different coach. may didn't want to, you know, didn't trust him in the playoffs. He wasn't that reliable third big. Um, Aaron Neesmith, you know, it sounded good when they drafted him. And the whole, I'm the, you know, best shooter in the draft, quote unquote. It never worked out for him. Um, and so I just think he needed a new environment. Um, a new place to play, some some place that, you know, that he can play and just make all of his mistakes. It wasn't going to happen in Boston. And I think his lack of development hurt Celtics greatly, I think, with their bench. They never had that shooter. They never were able to get that shooter. Um, so I just I, I just think it was it was good to get, you know, to move on. You know, and, I, and obviously Brad doesn't have the patience with draft picks that Danny does. And I think that um, that's in many ways a good thing. You know, these teams ain't going to put you on the bench for three or four years anymore and let you develop. I just think throwing Neesmith, and obviously he still has tradable value. I mean, for Indiana, it's a young team. It's rebuilding. He can play with a bunch of young guys, bond with a bunch of young guys, and be in an environment where everything isn't, well, go out there and hit two or three threes. If not, you're going to be back on the bench. So, uh, and I said, uh, Jawan Morgan and Leek Fitz, nice guys, and Stouts gets the clears the bench. But for me, I'm looking. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Earlier. I'm looking at a contract like Brogdon's signed for a couple more years, so I think that's good. Like you have him on your payroll, you have Derek White in your payroll, so this is long term movement, and and we'll see what happens with him and Smart and who's going to start and where Brogdon's going to play. But remember, durability has always been an issue with Brogdon. He's not a eighty. Or 75 game a year guy is more like a 50 or 60 game a year guy. So let's see if he can keep healthy, if he enters camp completely healthy after missing a good part of last year. But it sounds like, I mean, he's a guy who's mature. He can create his own shot. He can hit the three. Uh, he hit 38%, I want to say, from three cup last year. I don't, I'm not going off last, last year. He struggled. But I think for him, it's a good move for him to rebuild. And it's a good move for the Celtics to get that reliable, steady ball handler. Yeah, I mean they're they're adding a guy who 
is going to be in their regular rotation and at sometimes will be a starter, depending on injuries and things like that. And it costs them the guys at the end of the bench who weren't going to play. Which was technically nothing. When Which you really was, yeah, so, I, mean, they, they, I mean, they literally got a rotation guy without having to get rid of anyone in the rotation by getting rid of the guys at the end of the bench that weren't going to play. Yeah. Danny Ainge has done his hustles in the past, but Brad Stevens is coming out like, Hold my beer. Let me show you how this is done. This was an incredible deal simply because of the talent that they got in return. And, and the points that Gary's made about his injury riddle history, very legit and valid. But the role that he will be asked to play in Boston will allow them to have a certain amount of load management without really calling it load management. Because you're going to have a, a, a point guard rotation of sorts where you've got Smart, Derek White's probably going to get some minutes there, and Brogdon will as well. If Brogdon is in that mix, he's probably looking at the 20, 25 minutes per game range, which for him is a great thing. Uh, that will That's the best way to keep him as healthy and as durable as possible. And for the Celtics, I mean, this puts them, to me, this puts them in a pole position to run it back and get back to the finals. I mean, they went into this offseason needing a stretch big, a playmaker, and maybe someone who could knock down three-point shots. They have already addressed two out of those three in the first month of the of the offseason. Well, and we'll talk about the, the stretch big a little bit later, but Brogdon is a great fit. And, and to Gary's point, you know, when he came in for his workout with the Celtics, you felt like you were talking to the next president of the United States. He's got that type of presence about him, that type of leadership about him. And speaking of leadership, when you think about him, you think about Grant Williams, you think about Jalen Brown, all of whom have active roles within the, the Players Association. So you've got a different kind of leadership that you're developing, not only in terms of off the court, but I think you're going to see it on the court. Because now, as look, Brad has already done the daycare thing. He ain't trying to, he's not trying to do that to Eme. Brad has already tendered the kids and made sure that they, you know, they, they get their sippy cups and they get their minutes and go all that stuff when he's dealing with all these young bucks and kids who just are out there, ain't ready to really help you win games. Brad's like, I'm not going to do that to Eme. I'm going to get him with some guys who can not only play, but guys who are under contract so that Eme ain't got to worry next year. Oh my God, I'm losing like half of my, my rotation. Mm -hmm. Brad is coming out looking like that dude as a GM. As good as people thought Brad was as a coach, yeah. he's better as a GM. He's he's off to a better start as a GM than he was as a coach. And he was, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. I mean, the guy finished, what, fourth all-time in wins for Celtics head coach. But what he's been able to do as a GM, way more impressive than what he did as a coach. And one more thing on Brogdon, you mentioned the experience being a big aspect of this roster, the, the maturity level that's there. He spent three seasons in Milwaukee, three seasons in Indy. What do you think that experience overall is going to, I think, help translate to this Celtics roster, if, if it can at all? Well, I think with Malcolm, you've got a guy who has been at a couple of different spots. And there's always a bit of, of knowledge that you take from all those places. And the, the big thing about him that I appreciate is that he's a leader. Uh, he's a competitor. And he has a level of familiarity with a couple of Celtics that will help. I mean, when, when you think back a couple of years ago, when Jalen Brown is actively involved in, in social protests, look who's right with him, Malcolm Brogdon. That, you, you can't underestimate or undervalue the, the importance of having a certain level of familiarity with the core guys that you're joining forces with. Uh, I guarantee you that him and Jalen have had at least one conversation since all this went down because that's what they do. Uh, and, and, and again, the thing about Malcolm that I, I love is that he's just he's a grown ass man out there. 
I mean, he he's may, he may not be the biggest guy, he may not be the strongest guy, but you know you got a guy who's smart, intelligent, is going to make the right decision more times than not, and the only really real knock on him is he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't really been healthy since basically his first couple of years in the league, which, by the way, he won rookie of the year, the first second-round pick to do that ever. So you are getting a guy who can ball, who's experienced, familiar with your core guys and should put you in a pole position to get back to the NBA finals. Cause I think right now, if the season began right now, the Celtics would be the odds on favorite to come out of the East. Yeah. Another transaction that came up from free agency so far is Gallinari getting picked off of waivers from Atlanta. How do you think he'll impact this Celtics roster? Danny Ainge is probably thinking like, damn, I've been trying to get him to Boston. Right. All these Never. Days. No, yeah, I leave it. Get him. Um, they have loved that dude for the longest time. And he's a 6'9", 6'10", stretch big. He's knocked down threes. He's a scorer. That is what he does. He gets buckets. Now, defensively, that's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that's going to be the big challenge that Ime is going to have with figuring out the best way to utilize him. Uh, would not be surprised if you saw him on the floor a lot with Rob. Uh, because if, he's, if Rob is playing that free safety, that gives Gallinari a little bit of a safety net to... to frankly, not suck uh, defensively, and it hurt the team. Uh, but I, I love the addition, especially, again, you're getting a guy for pennies on the dollar. Uh, your rotation that got you all the way to the NBA Finals, you didn't have to touch that. And you and you addressed two of your three biggest needs. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like I like Gallinari a lot. I think he's a good scorer. But no, no, there's no but to it. Um, I just want them. He needs to be in certain roles. The thing that impressed me the most is he can shoot over other players. Like he uses his height and his girth to be able to score. It's not just a three point shooter, but he can shoot the three. Obviously, I I was there and that night in Atlanta, he hit 10 threes against the Celtics, which is might have been one of the low points of that one season. Last season, not not last season, but the season before last when it. I was thinking that Brad might be fired after that game, that Atlanta game where Gallinari was just looking like Steph. So he, and he's a 38, 39% career three-point shooter. He's a strong offensive player. And I think defensively, he's not a, okay, a, a stopper by any means, but he can use his size. He's 33, 34. He can use the, the elements that he has to, to, provide resistance. That's all you want. You don't want, he's not going to be a defensive stopper. He's not going to be someone who is, um, you know, going to shut down anybody, but just you, you know, draw a damn charge, get a block, get a couple of rebounds, things that, you know, guys who aren't great defenders do to stay on the floor. I think that's not asking too much from him. I think it's a good, uh, addition i would like to see another wing who can play a little bit d a little three and d guy maybe with that minimum slot because they got some slots to fill and i'm sure they're going to probably use summer league and look at some guys who are playing in summer league they're gonna they're gonna you know there's a kid isaiah roby who just got released is on waivers from oklahoma city they might look at him and claim his contract because he's a, another young body maybe yeah. they can bring in so there's some options but i like the gallinari move I do think they need more, but I've always liked him. And I said, he's, he's aging gracefully. He's not, you know, uh, over the hill. He knows, still knows how to score the basketball. He got used to a bench role. 
in Atlanta last couple of years because he was always a starter throughout his career. And if you look at his numbers a couple of years ago in Oklahoma City, in the, that bubble year, he was very good, very good. And so in the last two years for Atlanta, he's been very good. But so I think it was a good move for the for the Celtics, Brogdon and Gallinari. Let's see what else that they can do. But I think two good additions to the bench. Absolutely. You know, it's a good addition to the A-List podcast, right, Gary? Uh, My people, Indeed.com. No one has a business like yours with all its strengths and challenges. To succeed, you need a strong partner, hiring partner, and that, that can adapt to your needs. You need Indeed. It's the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. And as someone who gets those Indeed emails every single day, uh, I love them. I, I love to know what's out there. And, and for me, it's been really cool because I can pass that information on to others, uh, folks who need a job, folks who are looking for internships. And that's the cool thing about Indeed. They cover the whole damn market. Jobs, internships, leadership positions, you name it, Indeed has it. So not only is Indeed an amazing partner, but you can actually save a little money with with, with the code indeed.com backslash A-list podcast. Let me read that to you one more time. $75 credit now at indeed.com slash A-list. Indeed.com slash A-list. Save $75 credit now at indeed.com slash A-list. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Well, because we love corny transitions on this show, Brad Stevens is doing a lot of the hiring for this Celtics. Indeed, right he is. Indeed, he is. And we've talked about him over the last few weeks. Brad Stevens, the GM. Brad Stevens, the coach. We're still going to be feeling him out this summer, figuring out exactly who he is as a general manager in his full, like a full like season and a half, so to speak. But who do you like right now? Who is the running favorite between Brad, the GM, and Brad, the coach? Gary, I'm gonna let you, you go first, Gary. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think Brad. I, I mean, I think Brad, the coach, was a great coach. Um, it just, I just think things kind of fizzled out. Things didn't work out toward the end. Um, but I think he's a very good coach. Brad, the GM, has done a very solid job. I'm not going to give him an A or anything like that. I thought that they didn't have the bench last year that they needed to have to be a championship team. And that's something that I'm sure he'll, um, you know, he's bolstering it this, as we speak and he's adding players to that because I just think like we've talked about earlier, excuse me, like you've got, you know, Juwan Morgan and Stouts because they brought in and they couldn't play him. Like, you know, bringing guys. So now their bench is basically like, okay, Hauser, Grant, Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, Brogdon, and Gallinari. That's a solid bench. Now you need a couple of more guys. You could use one more old head and one more 83 and D guy. But I thought, I think Brad has done very good. 
is obviously different from Danny. Danny coveted draft picks. Brad doesn't care. Like Brad's got that, uh, uh, you know, it's like that, that meme of the brother with the flat top who does this, like you can't get criticized for your draft picks. If you don't take any of them, if you trade them all, uh, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't jump me having bad drafts. If I never draft, ah, you know, like gotcha. You know, I need Gary to voice over that meme every time I see it. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Like, you can't jump me. You can't give me a D on drafts if I don't take if I don't use them. Ah, you know. So I like Brad because that's kind of what he's doing. I mean, they don't have a draft pick their own till now, 2024. And, you know, he's like, hey, have it, man. Have here in Indiana, here's San Antonio. Here, have our first rounder. We ain't tripping off 28 or 26 or whatever. And I, I get that. And there's now there's so many different ways from signing guys off the street to cultivating guys like a Hauser that you can get quality young players. You just have to find them. Now that's where your scouting uh, system kicks in and, and, and assess, you know, your assessment of talent kicks in. And I don't think it was all that great under the last few years of the Ainge era, you know, passing up on Desmond Bain for Aaron Neesmith, uh, you know, the Carson Edwards thing. We can tell you, oh, we'll talk about all that now. But I thought, I think Brad has been a very good GM. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more because I think he'll give Eme what he needs. I think they them getting this close, I think Brad is probably kicking himself a little bit for not making more moves at the trade deadline, putting faith in guys that just didn't come through. You know, the Stauskas thing, he was supposed to be this, he scored 57 points in a G League game and it ends up he just be he was a guy on the bench, you know, you know, but good moves, you know, the Brogdon, the Gallinari. We'll see about Derek White. I'm not crazy about that move. The Horford trade. All right. All right. So we'll see how it goes down. But now you got guys, he's lining them up. You know, Tatum signed long term. Brogdon signed for a few more years. Derek White, uh, smart. Now you see about Jalen, what's gonna happen there, because that's gonna come up soon. Uh, the next year or so, and then you see, and we can talk about this. Do you sign Grant Williams to an extension this summer? He's eligible this summer for one of those like rookie extensions. Do you do you offer him three years and thirty six or whatever, something like that? Do you do you think that that's appropriate? Uh, you obviously you're not going to max him. That's crazy. But do you give him? Do you give him a you know eight figure salary to start off with, or or do you? Do you wait and make, then he's a restricted free agent? So we'll see. But I think Brad's done a good job. I give equal footing on Brad the coach and Brad the GM. Oh, boo, <laughs> equal footing. Boo, Gary, pick a side. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Brad the GM, and, and here's why. I saw what Brad the coach looks like, and it, there, there was a clear ceiling that Brad the coach had that he just couldn't break through. Undeniable. Brad, the GM, in a short period of time that he, let's see, you got rid of Kimba Walker, who, by the way, has not been good in the NBA since he was in Boston. For Al Horford, who people thought was washed up, but Al actually turned to be ready to, to just rain down on everyone and damn it got this team to the to an NBA chip. You Now, the Derek White thing, I, Gary, I don't know why you hate Derek White so much or hate that deal so much. I kind of like the deal. He is he. I like it more so now that you got Brogdon because now Derek White, you don't have to necessarily have him in the role that of being Marcus Smart's backup. You can actually move him around a little bit more, and he can help you, I think, defensively. Uh, he can be not 3 and D, just D, because um, I think his defense is better than we saw. I think he will defend better going forward. 
And then you look at and again, you look at Tatum, you look at Brown. The Grant Williams thing is interesting because the one thing I will say about Danny Ainge, when it came time to give guys a uh, rookie extensions, Danny never overpaid. Danny, you, you never felt as if, as if Danny was getting hoodwinked, hustled, bamboozled, and led astray. In fact, Danny was usually saving money. Uh, he was usually giving guys deals. And if and Frank, if guys wouldn't take that deal, then he just let them, you know, he, he no, let no. them walk and, and take his chances through free agency or, or unrestricted free agency. So the, the point is this. Brad has way more potential to be better than he was as a G he has more potential to be better as a GM than he was as a coach, because we saw how far he could go as a coach. And that's the Eastern conference finals. We've seen in one year what he can do as a GM and that's get two wins away from winning an NBA title. And by the way, when uh, Gary, great point about how there are things he would probably do better or do differently. He had a chance to address that in the off season. You need a playmaker. You need to stretch big and hopefully you can get another either three and D guy or, or, or a guy that can sh- knock down shots. He's already nailed two of those first three in no time. And he still has got some major assets. I mean, that, that trade that, you know, the TPE that he has, that's mm-hmm. still out there. And to your point, Gary, a young fellow that got released by Oklahoma city, Isaiah, he's a good player. He's a really good player. And if they can get him on the cheap, which I, which obviously that that's the goal, he will have essentially done everything he needed to do in the off season before we get out of the month of July. Uh, and, and that to me, again, when you're able to do that at the level that he's done it so far, I see way more potential for him as a, as a great GM than, than him as a coach. But to add to that point, when you talk about Stevens' last two moves, it seems as though him and management really are about the mentality of we have to win one next year. Get it now. But do you think it's worth it in the long run? You talk, Gary mentioned the fact that they don't even have picks until 2024 now, I believe. So is it worth maybe postponing the building of a a future team to just win next year? Hell yes, but you better win next year. You you don't know you don't listen that that as we've seen with Brooklyn as we've seen with team after team that had this window to win that yeah. window can close on you when you least expect it if you have a team that you know can get to the finals and you know what you need to add damn it you better go get it you better not be messing around thinking about well you know if we just draft this guy with the twenty seventh yeah. pick maybe he'll develop into like a end of the rotation guy by year three oh hell no go and you you use that pick and go win a chip now. Yeah. This is the, your window is today. That's your window of opportunity. You can't think about down the road. And, and besides the way this league is grown and prospered, you're going to get opportunities to add good players. It, it then becomes on your, your scouting department to get you the right pieces. I look at Miami. They got it. Max Struess is a great example of a guy that frankly didn't really seem to register on anybody's radar of significance. And yet lo and behold, he was a big factor in them getting as deep as they got into the playoffs. So I'm not worried about no damn 26 and 27 pick. If the Celtics were a bad team and they were, they were doling out these picks, that would bother me because that means you're giving away lottery tickets. But when you're talking about picks that are going to be in the twenties, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think you the can have key, it. I think the key is honestly, okay. The drafting of JD Davidson. And mm-hmm. I wrote this, this is, it was really yeah. significant, not only because, you know, they use the pick, they could have drafted and stashed a guy. They could have traded out of the pit. They could have taken some guy that we'll never see, who will never, ever arrive in Boston, who's playing 
in you know CSK Moscow or or playing in Lithuania. Fenerbahce yeah, or playing in Turkish in, league. In, Shout out to the in, Turkish league. Denmark right now. Instead, they took a guy who has upside and is going to make the roster. And they're going to like unless he I mean, play playing some, some G League time. We'll see if he is a, becomes a two way player or he uh, makes the team as a full time player. But to me, that says something about Brad investing in the future. Take a 19 year old. There's no pressure on him. Let him develop. And then in a couple of years, he might be your starting point guard if this dude develops into as Colin Sexton did. Remember, Alabama guards, Alabama players usually make good pros all the way back from the Trio Three Well, Robert Ori, you know, all the way to now. I mean, they're Alabama players are dog. Herb Jones from the, from the Pelicans, dog. Like Alabama players make dogs. Okay, and that's what the young man said today. He's gonna be a dog out there. And I think that was probably as different from because Danny didn't take the one and done guy who slipped. Danny would take some dude overseas and we'll see what happens in the summer league with the kid from France. Um, the kid from Israel is not going to play because he's playing for, for team Israel, but the kid from France, we'll see how summer league pans out. But like, I thought that was a critical move in the future for Brad looking forward saying, you know what, let me take a kid who is slipping who probably won't be, contribute but he gets around all these young guys veteran guys i mean he gets leadership he gets to work he plays and all of a sudden two three years from now hey you got quite a player that you've cultivated that only costs you a second round pick so i think that that's what you have to that's how you have to build the future if you're not going through the the draft okay you're not going to just you're not going to get any lottery picks you're not then there's too much talent out here now and too many, the, the, the draft is a crapshoot, right? The draft is such, like, you know, you can get a player as good at 40 as you can at 20. It's just the way it is. These kids ain't ready. These kids is one and done. They coming out the G League Ignite, G League Unite, the G League re, re, Reunite. Reunited. Ignite. <laughs> Ignite. Reunited and it feels so good. They coming out of all these different elements and some of them are ready. And some we'll see, but we'll see with this draft how you know whether you know Keegan Murray is better than Jaden Ivy, whether Kyle Banchero, like all these guys, not all of them is gonna make it. Yeah. So I think Brad understands that. That's why he's so he's okay to trade his first rounders and say, listen, we can get guys off the street, you can get guys overseas, you can get guys from the G League, yeah. and you can cultivate. Look at Sam Hauser, they signed up to an extension undrafted. So you can find these gyms and there's a kid from Purdue, a big man from Purdue's on the summer league team who was undrafted, who might make an impact and may make the team. So you just have to trust your scouting department and your challenge assessment. But you're Shrod's right. You go for it now if you got a chance to win it. Look at what Milwaukee going for it now. You know, go stay like look, look at the Clippers. Right. They're going for it. Like these teams, they messing around. You can't, you can't, you can't waste Tatum and Brown's time because eventually they're going to be 27, 28, and they're going to be young, other young guys coming up trying to win championships. So you got to take advantage of it now. And the, the thing that, that they've done that I think is really impressive, and, and I think Gary kind of alluded to this, is that they don't need young guys to come in and help them win games. They can develop guys 
in a way that they couldn't before. Whereas you, when you draft in the first round, you're hoping that that guy can at least be in your rotation year one or two. When you're drafting a guy in the second round, he may play, he may not play. Is he, if you don't play him, is there a hole in your rotation? And the answer is no with J.D. Davidson. And I think a lot of people, you know, who maybe don't follow the high school scene that closely, he was like one of the top two, top three point guards in the nation. Five-star recruit. Five-star recruit that you're able to get in the second round that you don't have to play, that there's literally no pressure to put him out there and play. You're telling me that that kid can't develop into a potential all-star one day? Would not be shocked if he did. Would not be shocked because he was not great at Alabama, but he showed enough flashes to where you think, like, you know what? His game may be more suited for the next level. And I think that's Brad's mindset when he's looking at those second-round picks because he's thinking that, you know what? It's not that this kid is imperfect. He's just young. And I think that's going to be the way that Brad is going to utilize second round picks going forward. He's going to be looking for that highly regarded young kid who, for whatever reason, falls to the second round that they can spend a year or two developing who can potentially be better than half the guys that were taken in, in the first round that year. Uh, I think Davis, I think JD has that potential. Um, you're not going to have to play him and he's going to be in, in the midst of playing. I'm thinking about this. This is, this is his education. Yeah. You get to get, you get to get your, your lunch handed to you by Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White going to give you some, some of that. Tatum going to give you some of that. Jalen Brown going to give you some of that. And, and all you got to do is just soak it all in, learn from it, and get better. You don't have to play. You don't have to put up numbers. He is in a perfect position, perfect position to have a long-standing career as opposed to have a good year or two. Don't be like cats like Booby Gibson and them cats from back in the day who had like one or two good years, and then they were done, out of it. He has a chance to be a really good player for a really long time because he's with an organization that can develop him with no pressure to play. But the pressure that you can tell if you listen to him today, he wants to play. He t- he he's got he's got that dog in him. You can kind of tell he's got that dog in him. And I'm mad at Gary Washburn for not mentioning Antonio McDice and all the players you talked about from Alabama who got the dog in him. Don't forget about my old boy McDice, the Olympian. I'm done. I just Mike had to get that off my chest. Let's take a pause real quick. I don't want to pause. Gonna, I want to keep going. No. We are going to talk about the summer league roster in a brief little segment, but we do have to also shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. They're continuing to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information from the latest odds, news, and sports development, including Major League Baseball. They're the king right now when you talk about live sports. So if you want to play some bets on those games, you can use our code CLNS50. That will give you a 50% sign-on bonus. BetOnline.ag is the continued source for sports wagering information as well, including live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website, use the promo code CLNS50, bet online where the games start. This week, we'll be headed to Las Vegas for, well, Gary might be there already, for Summer League, which is where we get to see the future of the league overall. Are you coming? I might be there. I might pull up. (laughs) Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Maybe, maybe. I'll I'll surprise you guys on next week's episode of The A-List Podcast. But who are you looking forward to? If you want, I can list off some of the names on this roster. But honestly, the names that are standing out right now are Sam Hauser, Matt Ryan, just because there's a Falcon named after him, not necessarily because of his own (laughs) credentials. Uh, Travion Williams, I think, Gary, is the kid that you mentioned a little bit earlier about a potential wild 
dark horse when we look at what might happen this size this weekend. Yeah. So is there anyone that specifically stands out? I want to see Sam. I want to see Sam Hauser because Sam Hauser is the one guy that they have already invested a decent amount of time, energy, and resources in. And he's also the one guy that has a skill set that they could use. Even with all the changes and all the additions that they've made, Sam has the potential to help them from day one of start of the season. And I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to operate when, if we're being honest and real, he's got to be their go-to guy, uh, at least early on. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to see how does he handle that. And, and obviously, you know, as, as we learned from Peyton Pritchard, uh, what you do in summer league does not necessarily translate into the big leagues. But I will say this about Sam. I do believe he's one of those guys that is just, he's a rhythm shooter. And if he gets into a nice flow, nice rhythm, hopefully he can bring that over into uh, the regular season. And he's, again, a guy that was hurt. Uh, in the playoffs last year, who I, I thought that there were some opportunities where if he were healthy, they would have seriously uh, considered throwing him out there. Uh, and by the time he got healthy, they were already kind of in their routine of sorts as a rotation. And it just didn't make a ton of sense to bring him out there. But Sam's a guy that I'm, I'm looking really forward to checking out, seeing what he can do. You even mentioned your guy, J.D. Davison. You wrote a whole piece on him for Full Court. <laughs> Listen, I, I just talked about JD. I, I just, I just hyped him last segment. A little bit. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I, I want to. You're not looking for it. <laughs> I want to keep the. I know what he's gonna do. Hey, he's gonna show up. I'm, I'm gonna make you feel old here. Maybe. JD Davidson's birthday, October 3, 2002. Ew, hey, that's so disgusting. That's my mama's birthday. Oh. Me and JD like this now. That's my mama's birthday, October 3rd. He legit. <laughs> uh, he legit. Uh, Legit 19. Oh, um, I'm looking forward to. No, that's my youngest brother's age. That's weird. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to a kid who was a former draft Clippers draft pick with Fundu Cabangele, Florida, former Florida State kid. Um, just kind of fizzle. Um, was the same taking the same draft as uh, uh, was Terrence. God. Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, exactly. Sorry. Uh, he played on the same team as Terrence Mann. It's kind of bounced around with the Cleveland for a minute, but let's see what he can do. I mean, the spot for the third big is open. You know, he's 24, sorry, he's 25 now. You hope that it, it might kick in and he might be able to give them something and show, I mean, when you're 25 and you're playing in summer league, you're at the point where you should be better than most of the dudes out there. Like you should dominate summer league. Like, you know, summer league is for the, for the youngsters. So when you're playing summer league, you know, like I'm looking at Broderick Thomas, he's another kid who's 25. Like these kids should be dominating summer league. Like you should, you, we can see, and we've all seen summer league where you could just see a dude step on the floor. Like Keegan Murray just did this past weekend at the California classic where he's like, okay, he's like the best player on the floor. Right. Like he's too good for summer league. Like, I don't know, you know, I want to see some some play from him. And also the French kid, who I thought played pretty well last year, uh, Beggarin, you know, he's a big kid, 6'5", 210. Um, let's see what he's learned over the year, whether he can stick to the roster. You know, there's some opportunities, some open roster spots. So does Brad bring in some veteran minimums? Does he bring in some of these guys? Um, you know, you know, does he look at Travion Williams, you know, I, I, there's a lot of guys, and then Jordan Bone, former team uh, high school, sorry, college teammate of um, Grant, Grant Williams at Tennessee, and you know, kind of bounced around was with the Pistons for a minute. 
you know, we'll see what he he'll do. I don't I don't think he'll have a big chance, but there's some intriguing guys in this roster, and I'm sure they might add a couple of others because because I mean, you know, I think they got like 10, 11 guys. They might add two or three just to fill it over the next couple of days before their first game on Saturday. But I think the kid from Florida State, there's a the third biggest open. He's athletic. Can they, can the Celtics work with him and get him a chance? And also. For you Taco Fall fans, Taco's playing for Utah Jazz. So if you want to watch some Utah Jazz Summer League, I mean, he he might he might start with Gobert gone. She's Taco might have a real shot at Utah, and obviously his relationship with Danny. Mm -hmm. But Taco Fall is playing for um, the Utah Jazz, and there's a couple local kids. Noel Cook Kirkwood from Harvard is is in Summer League, and another kid from BU. So. There's all types of reasons basketball never stops. And this will, this will be fun to watch, you know, the summer Celtics and see who, who develops. Sure. We have some breaking news during our podcast. Your, your guy, Isaiah Roby just got picked up by the Spurs. So Damn it! sorry about that. Just Damn felt it! like our listeners should know. <laughs> Shout out to our producer, Ahmed, for putting that out. Damn it. <laughs> I told Ahmed in our chat. Damn it. Right. I'm just relating to y'all what I told him. <laughs> Damn it. The summer league team for the Celtics, we, Sherrod mentioned he's thinking that this will be the Sam Hauser show, but Ben Sullivan, he's going to be the head coach for this team during summer league. What are you expecting from him? Ben Sullivan is low-key really, really, really good. He won a championship with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's part of that Spurs uh, coaching tree. And, and the way he got involved in the NBA was basically Ime Udoka recommended him for a video job with the Spurs that he wound up getting. And that kind of set his whole NBA odyssey into motion. The one thing about Ben Sullivan that when you look at his background, he is someone who specializes in shooting. He's a shooting coach. Uh, and he worked under the the, um, the guise of a guy named Chip, Chip England, who's one of the all-time great shooting coaches in the NBA. So that's part of why I'm really looking forward to seeing what can he do when you get Sam Hauser unleashed? What can he do when so much of the attention is going to be on a shooter? And that's something that Ben, uh, you know, again, that's one of his strengths. When he was in Milwaukee, the guy that he spent a lot of time working with trying to get his shot right was Giannis Adentacumpo. Uh, not, by no means did he become Ray Allen, but he was not Allen Ray. Uh, Giannis was a much better shooter as things went on and certainly when they they made big shots when they won the title a couple years ago what y'all laughing about and just alan ray it was so corny i'm just saying he's not out he's better than that alan was a good he did his thing alan ray was a nice player at villanova don't don't, he was don't don't do that on a random week in july (laughs) <laughs> Allen sitting by himself right now, chilling, got thrown into a podcast like a rip. Like he uh, spit up his corona as soon as he heard yeah, his he name. Didn't do nothing, he didn't do nothing. <laughs> his ears was I don't know. Maybe for Villanova, he might have he might have scored 30 on Syracuse and you still you still upset about that or whatever. So no, he didn't. Go, Trust me on that one. He didn't. No, <laughs> he definitely didn't. I don't um, really know a lot about Ben Sullivan, except he's a pretty intimidating looking cat, you know, bald. I like Ben. Bald right. with the beard and, yeah. and, and six six. So we'll see. Well, I think we'll learn a lot more about him over the next couple of weeks to kind of coach he is. And I think it's a good opportunity. The Celtics are also adding um a black woman to the coaching summer league coaching staff. So uh, look out for her. I, I, I don't, I have to research her name, but okay. 
Um, is this breaking news as well? Yeah, not breaking news. Uh, she announced a couple uh, couple months ago, hold on, a couple of days ago, that she was getting, uh, she got an opportunity uh, to coach for the Celtics Summer League team. And I'll give you... Uh, Tamara Moore, Trailblazer, formerly yeah, of the Tamara Moore. Yeah, so... There we go. Um, yeah, Tamara right. Moore. So that's good for her. And we'll see, you know... Um, We'll, we'll get a good look at her and, and we'll see, you know, we'll see what some of the other guys can do uh, on the staff. And they have a, a spot open. So maybe Tamara Moore fills that spot for the regular season. Yeah. We'll see what eBay does with that open position. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing um, Ben Sullivan and what he can do with his impact or whatever um, on this team. And I said, you know, summer league is always a fun time, but I think the Celtics has some work to do. Yeah with the summer league team, cultivate some guys, build their team in Maine. If you, if you're not, because especially if you're not going to rely on the draft anymore, which they're not, it's time. You got to cultivate some of you got to find some of these kids. And I know, um, and remember, uh, Brad Stevens is very close to Matt Painter, the coach at Purdue. I think that's one of the reasons why they took Carson Edwards and I'm sure that's why they invested so much in Travion Williams. I think, I think Matt Pater was like, hey, man, this guy's going to be good or whatever. So I think that's why that, that connection. And obviously, Michael Strewsbury, now the coach of Penn State, was a former assistant at Purdue a couple of years ago. I'm sure they both said, hey, you need to bring this kid on your team and see what he can do. So I mean, they got some work to do. And it's fun to see these kids develop, play hard against all the other teams in the league. Every, you know. This is the chance everybody thinks they got a chance. Orlando's happy, excited now. Charlotte, you know, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. All these teams are excited about the new season. So it's time for the Celtics to get, get that work done this summer. Before Orlando up, being excited does nothing, Gary. That, that is nothing. Fair There's point. nothing for The best they got going on is Disney World or Disneyland. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> and that ain't even got it going on like it used to. Magic last last point I, I want to make uh, yeah. about Ben Sullivan is, is that – Remember how not a whole lot of people knew about Joe Mazzula before last summer league. And then afterward, all of a sudden you start seeing his name pop up with interviews here, interviews there. Ben Sullivan has that potential. When you look at his coaching tree, when you look at the fact that again, what he does well developing, well, at least coaching guys to become better shooters. That's a skill that every team would love to have in, in a head coach without question. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to really kind of really put himself in the conversation as being, you know, one of the next uh, members of the the Ime Udoka tree to get a head coaching job. Will Hardy, my goodness, 34 years old. I ain't mad at you, Will. I am not mad at you. Before we leave, let's quickly go around the league with a game of fact or fiction, because we have not played a game here in a while. And I'm sure everyone missed that. <laughs> so our first one, our first prompt is Katie wants to be traded and Kyrie wants him to come with him. Fact or fiction? You go, Gary. That's fact. I think they still want to play together. I don't <laughs> think they want to play together in Brooklyn. I'm not really sure what turned KD off from Brooklyn. Um, they were allowed to kind of run the thing, run things there. But I do think fact, I think it's a fact, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think both of them are resigned to going, going their own separate ways. And I think KD wants to try to win another championship. Um, on his own and, and try to figure out whether it's Phoenix or Miami or whatever team, Toronto, uh, just go about his own path. And I think Kevin, he's, he'll be 34 in September. So Father Tom is starting to knock on his door a little bit. Hey, I need to 
if I want to win one last championship on my with my team, me being the number one guy, I got to find the perfect place. So I think that's why he wants out. Gary, I'm going to say fiction. And, and here's why. When Kyrie decided that he's going to opt in, what did Kevin Durant do? He wants to be traded. I don't know. If, if, my, if I'm playing with my boy and my boy says he's staying, if I want to still play with my boy, wouldn't I just say I'm staying too? I wouldn't put words out that I'm trying to get rid of. See, here's the thing. I think, Gary, to your point, I think that they are still cool with each other. I still think they have a good relationship. They're friends. They just can't play with each other. We, we all got people that we love to death. But if you ask me to work with them, not trying to hear it. I think Kevin Durant is still... I think they're fine, Sherrod. I think... I don't think... I think Kyrie opted in and was just like, sort of like... I'll give you one more year. I ain't guaranteeing nothing, and I'm gonna be. Well, he free. never guarantees nothing. So why would That's Kevin want to play under those circumstances again? And then he doesn't trust the organization. He might not think Greg, sorry, Steve Nash, a great coach. You don't know what he thinks of the G, the general manager. You know, Sean Marks. Like, there's a lot that um, is going on here, probably behind the scenes, organizational wise. That Kevin's like, okay, I'm tired of it. You know, get me, get me to, and it could be a situation where he just wants to see where he can go and they might be talking to him every day and then he rescinds the trade demand. You don't know. Maybe Kyrie's talking to him. I just think with Kevin, I think he just is like, I just want some peace and tranquility. I didn't done my job. It hasn't worked here. It's time for someplace else, but I still think they want to play together, but I don't think they want to play together in Brooklyn. Well, if you're talking about peace and tranquility and then you throw Kyrie Irving's name in that conversation, mm-mm, bruh, I don't see it happening. No, I agree, but Kyrie's got some type of trance on Kevin. It's some, it's, it's interesting, their dynamic, their relationship, that friendship that developed that we really didn't know about, how close they were until all of a sudden February Kyrie became a free, free agency came yeah. and all of a sudden they were like close friends. We, I, I don't think any of us, they're not... They didn't play high school together. They're, you know, they're four years apart in age. So they're a different quote unquote NBA generation. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that four game sweep by the Celtics woke Kevin up. I think the translate, whoa, wait, did we just get swept? Kyrie, did we just? Embarrassing. All right, let's move on. Dante Murray traded to Atlanta. Does that make Atlanta a top five team in the East? Fiction. Fiction. Uh, Atlanta, they'll be better. No question we better. And I think he is a better compliment to Trey Young uh, than anyone else Atlanta has had. But I just, when I look at the Celtics, I look at Philly. I look at Miami. I look at Milwaukee. Um, I, I look at, uh, again, there's right there, that's four teams without giving a, a single bit of thought that I know with Mur- Mr. Murray in Atlanta are better than Atlanta. So, no. Fiction for um, me. I think they're uh, they're on that cusp because if you look at the four teams Sherrod mentioned, and then you want to throw in maybe Toronto coming off a, a year, and then they get healthy. Cleveland's a team to look out for, okay, the Cavaliers. And then I think now you start, okay, what are the Knicks going to do? Um, what about Washington? And, you know, like then you got the teams that are going to be fighting for the play-in. But I think Atlanta is a little bit better than that. So I think they're a six, seven, top seven, six, seven, and they could get to five. You know, we don't know about, because there's going to be teams that slip. 
Brooklyn's probably going to slip, right? Indiana's in a tank. Um, you know, Charlotte has had a disastrous offseason. They're going to probably slip. I mean, you got all these teams, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? And then there's going to be teams at Chicago. Who knows what to make of the Bulls? You know, the Bulls are like, they're probably in that fifth, sixth uh, slot. So I think Atlanta is, you could say Atlanta is as good as the Bulls, but they got to figure out what to do with John Collins. He, he's been on the trade block for like a year now. They traded Kevin Herter. Um, for kind of just a couple of guys, uh, you know, Mo Harkless and Justin Holiday. So I think the, the, the Hawks have more, and they, and they gave away Gallinari. Uh, so I think the, the Hawks have more work to do before they're a legit top five. But I think now they're on that pushing Chicago, Toronto, 6-7. Okay, staying in the East, Ben Simmons will have a bigger impact on Brooklyn than Harden will in Philly. Fact Go, Gary. Go, Gary. Um, I think he will. I think Ben's going to come back healthy. Ben's going to be, have a, a, you know, some, be on a mission now. As I said, I'm, you know, I don't understand how you can be an NBA player and not learn how to shoot. I don't understand that. I've never understood guys who just can't, who play, pick up every day, play thousands of games, and then don't learn how to shoot. Or if you can't shoot or not good, get a damn shooting coach and learn how to shoot. Magic did it. Jason, Jason Kidd did it. LeBron still has a shooting coach. Carl Malone learned how to be a very good mid-range perimeter shooter off the pick and roll. Like you learn these skills by the summer work. Okay. In the gym when nobody's watching. So, but I think Ben will be on, I mean, he's got his career is on the line. Like he'll still get paid. He's still got that contract, but people, as I've mentioned before, the league will forget your ass if you don't play. Look at John Wall. Look like John who? Yeah, look at Westbrook. If you sit a year out or you have a bad year, the league is like next. And so I think people, Ben ain't young anymore. Ben's not, you know, he'll be considered a bust if he never plays again because it didn't work out in Philadelphia. So I think he's got a lot on the line. Now, he might not love the game anymore. He might not love the game as much. He might like the the social scene and being Ben Simmons, but we'll see about that. I think he'll have something to prove. And I think he'll prove something, not, it won't be an all NBA, but I think he'll be a definite factor for the Nets. Fact for me, Ben will be better in Brooklyn than James will be in Philly. First of all, James is not going to come in, in, in tip top shape. So he's automatically going to start playing from behind. Cause that's just what he, that's just who he is. That's what he does consistently. And to Gary's point, I think Ben will not only come in with a little bit more of an edge and something to prove, but I just think he's going to have more opportunities. Uh, I think the situation in Brooklyn is going to uh, eventually pan out to where Ben is going to be one of their top two players. I think that's, to me, the reality of it. And they need him to be that that player, a guy that can impact the game significantly at both ends of the floor. Ben has to get back to being that guy. He is an elite defender, can guard one through five. Offensively, he's got incredible court vision. And to, to me, if I'm coaching Ben Simmons, we're going to spend all summer working on a 15-foot jump shot. We're going to spend all summer working on you bringing the ball down court, pulling up from the free throw line, knocking down that shot because if he's able to do that oh my goodness then all of a sudden you got to defend him at that point and he's good enough to beat you off the dribble and finish at the cup then he becomes a 20.89 assist 
eight, nine rebound guy that when you start looking at the top 10 MVP candidates, he's somewhere between four and six. He becomes that impactful. And all is simply a matter of him adding a 15, 16 foot jump shot to his game. And I do, I think that we're going to see him at least attempt that more because I think he's at that point now, as Gary's point, there's no turning back. There's no more, well, you know, he can be okay not shooting jumps. I hell no, you need to, you need to actually show some legitimate growth as a player. You had an entire year to work on your game with no games to play. You didn't have to worry about traveling to and from. You didn't have to worry about road trips. You didn't have to worry about fans booing you, begging you to shoot. You, all, you literally had a year to work on your game. And I know that there's some mental health issues that he has spoken about. And certainly you have to take that into account because that stuff is real. That stuff is serious. But at the end of the day, you're an NBA player. You're one of the best 400, 500 players in the planet. Start playing like it. Start playing like it. Well said. New York, did they tamper with Jalen Brunson? Fact or fiction? Well, well, well see, now, now, here you go. They hire your daddy. Your agent is the son of the GM. You got folks from the organization checking out your playoff games. Come on. Innocent until proven well, guilty. Born <laughs> at night, not last night. Let's keep, let, let, come on now. You know, listen. The timing you, is hilarious. All those factors make a pretty compelling argument that the Knicks may have kind of stuck their hand in the cookie jar before they had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all stems from the fact that Dallas is salty. Dallas, Dallas, they, they, they feel as a hurt. They, they, they developed him. They gave him opportunity to be a great player, put him on a platform with one of the greatest players in the game right now, and he shined. And they're like, let's run it back. And he's like, no. But my daddy worked for them. And my agent is, there's just so many factors that make it hard to believe that the Knicks did not have an end for Jalen Brunson before free agency began. And quickly for our listeners, Brunson reportedly struck a four-year deal that's worth over $100 million. Obviously, that's not necessarily, hasn't cleared yet, and there's still an investigation that's pending at this point, but... To Sherrod's points, it's looking a little murky for New York right now. But Gary, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, I think that they had been targeting him for months. Uh, Dallas messed up by not signing him to an extension and then waiting, and he flourished. He was a v- very good player. I still don't understand how he fell to the second round, but the, the, the Mavericks made a good pick, and you want to cash in on those picks. It could, when you make a good pick like that, you want that person to be with your franchise for many years because, you know, you found him. Um, but, yeah, the Knicks targeted him for the last several months, uh, of course. Like, I don't know how you prove that, um, but obviously he didn't even meet with the Mavericks. Like, he wasn't – he was like, fellas, you, you know, you can do for me. My dad's there. My agent's, you know, leading me there. I want to play in the bright lights. I want to go where I'll be appreciated. It's – it's it, I'm there. I'm, I'm signing with the Knicks. So – yeah, they'll be tampering. Will the Knicks lose a second round pick? I'm sure something to that effect, but they got their guy. Now they drafted, they got a guy who's not an all-star. Will he be an all-star? Will he, will he, what will he do under the pressure of playing at MSG and all that stuff? We'll see. The Knicks spend a lot of money, man. You know, 78 million last year and having 48. They, they brought Kimba back home, quote unquote. Remember we were discussing that last year. Kimba's home. He's ready. Like, and they, and then they just, it, the thing that killed me is they cleared out their entire roster. I mean, they traded New Orleans Noel. 
They traded, they got rid of Kimba. They got rid of Alec Burke. They, they, they traded and moved like three or four guys just to clear space, you know? So now they still got some other gaps in their roster. So we'll see. I mean, but yes, it was tampering. Our last one, I'm going to read you a tweet and then I'm going to pose the question. So July 4th, Jeannie Buss puts this tweet out there. I miss KB talking about Kobe Bryant. He would have, he would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self, meaning your rewards would come if you value team goals over your own, and then everything would fall into place. All can reply. I'm not really sure what she meant by that last point, but Jeannie Buss was throwing shade at LeBron. Do you think that's fact or fiction? Because it was giving a lot of shade towards. Go Gary. No, I, what what was the shade toward LeBron? That's well, then you clearly are taking the fiction aspect of this. But basically, it seemed as though the way the tweet was portrayed, she's missing Kobe Bryant, says that he's honestly the greatest Laker ever. And basically it was subtweeting at someone, I don't know exactly who it is, that is basically not taking the team goals as a responsibility over their personal goals. That's the way I interpreted okay. the team when I saw um, it on the 4th of July. I didn't really but, see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Like, I don't care what LeBron does as a Laker. He's never going to be like greatest Laker of all time. So that's not a slight. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's a line for that. There's Kobe. There's Magic. There's Kareem. There's Shaq. There's Jerry West. And there's Elgin Baylor. Okay. And you can even put in Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, Wilt in there too. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. LeBron is behind all them cats. So in other words, okay. he's that eighth man. He's, yeah. he's Aaron Neesmith. Like, I'm Not a, a Ripple Laker fan. Like, this is, no. So, I mean, some people say Magic's the greatest Laker of all time. Some people say Kareem. And, I, and the younger people say Kobe. I, I can accept all the LeBron, bro, you get to the back of the line, bro. Um, so he's the greatest Cavalier of all time, for sure. And one of the greatest seat plays of all time, you know him or Dwayne Wade, however you want to put it, whatever your choice. Um, so but, what did know, she mean think, by this? I think Jeannie is just, you know, I just think the Lakers organization needs to be quiet. Just sign players and, and try to win games. It's just been too much, you know, drama. Rob Polinka, Magic, Jeannie Buss, like, win damn games. You're in L.A., Okay. You have the biggest mark, biggest mark, biggest free agent draw. Y'all still can't win basketball games. Y'all getting beat by New Orleans and 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 getting punked by teams. Like win games. Like y'all, you know, it's like you know they got Westbrook. Who who signed off on that? Like LeBron can make suggestions, but it's somebody else higher up that's got to make that move. So who's signing Westbrook's checks? So I understand Jimmy Jimmy Best being frustrated. But win some games, be quiet, go into the lab, build your team, rebuild your team, draft well, and and try to come back. That's all I got for these folks who want, you know, like, you know, the Lakers is just too much drama. And it's Mm -hmm. been like that for a long time. That's why Magic got the hell out, you know, and they ain't been the same. (laughs) Even the bubble championship, I give them props for the bubble championship because they were the best team. But since Kobe left and, and all that's you know, it's, it's, it's not been the same. Yeah. It's been a, a merry-go-round of just drama. And then LeBron comes there and, and, you know, 
it's just it, it's not been what they thought it would be. No, not even close. Not even close. As, as far as, as, as shade at LeBron, I'm going to go with fact on this one, Gary. I'm going to go with fact because it, it comes out of nowhere and it clearly draws a distinction between Kobe and anyone and everyone who might be in the conversation. And last I checked, playing right now, there's only one Laker that can even be remotely in the conversation. And I agree with you, Gary. He's definitely, at best, eighth, maybe seventh on the death chart of all-time great Lakers. Uh, and 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 but I think that there is, as LeBron gets closer to the end of his, of his playing career, I think there are a segment of fans who have who don't understand the history of the Lakers. You know, they they look at LeBron and think that well, look, he, he brought them a title in a bubble. I mean, he got a title in Cleveland, he got some titles in Miami. Of course, he's the greatest Laker, and they don't understand how incredibly, frankly, otherworldly Kobe was. Magic, Chamberlain. Kareem, you go down a list of, of all-time great Lakers and you stack their resume as a Laker, not as an NBA player, but as a Laker up against LeBron, and, they, and it, it's not even close. Now, if you're talking about as an NBA player, that becomes a different conversation because LeBron has done enough to where if you're talking about the all-time greats to play the game, LeBron has done enough to where he can be in that conversation. When you look at the success he has had at multiple destinations, and especially in Cleveland, when he—I mean, if we're being honest and keeping it real, there were some trashy teams that he was getting to the finals. I mean, he was dragging. I mean, he, I mean, he had the hefty bags on both shoulders going into the finals with his crew. So he gets made to me. LeBron's always going to get major props for me for what he was able to do in Cleveland, Miami. He stacked the deck. Lakers. Yeah, somewhere in between, but the bottom line is he was a catalyst for greatness wherever he went. But that being said, the Lakers have not been great in his time. They've had a couple of good years, but they haven't been a great organization. Uh, and, and that, to me, is what separates him from all those other people that we're talking about who've done the damn thing in Lakerland. Like, when Magic was there, the Lakers, were they were it. When, you know, Kareem, they were it. When you start looking at the guys that were talking, Kobe, they were it. And even when they had a down year, it didn't last long. Kobe willed them back to being great. Uh, LeBron, I don't think he's got it in the tank anymore like that. He's still a great player, and he still is, in my opinion, he's still a top 10 player in the NBA. But he ain't, he ain't the top. He may not be 10, but he ain't, he ain't top anymore. And that's the reality of, of, of where he's at. And the Lakers are as an organization because I mean they're in sh- I mean they're I remember we Gary you probably remember this when they were in a bubble the, the the narrative was that who has a brighter future the Lakers or the Celtics oh I yeah. and people were just oh this oh, the Lakers they got LeBron they got da 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 and now well, a couple years later I mean the Lakers are a, a, a absolute just dumpster fire and you got Brad Stevens out here saying hey let, give me give me former first give me the former rookie of the year and give me this cat that we've been trying to get. For the last five years, we're picking up waivers. And he does and it all in silence. Right. All exactly. Silence. I mean, look, I mean, Brad has been he's been, I mean, he's been that real G moving in silence, like lasagna. I said that's true for that one. You know, that's, I that's, he's been at. That's, that's how he's been rolling. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on the podcast for the week. Gary is disapprovingly looking at the two of us, but it's but he okay. got the rings. He got the rings behind him. Rings. So <laughs> Once again, we want to shout out betonline.ag. You can use that promo code CLNS50 or Indeed.com. If you want to sign up for a job posting, go to Indeed.com slash A-list and use that promotional discount as well. For Ashraf Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. This is the A-list podcast. Vegas, here we come. 